Are you hesitating to take the next step in your e-commerce journey? Founder Plus has you covered with proven frameworks tailored to your business needs for fast results, a supportive community of over 30,000 like-minded entrepreneurs and weekly live mentorship sessions. Founder Plus is your key to success. Try Founder Plus today for just $1 for seven days and start building your dream business with confidence. You can visit founder.com forward slash start dollar trial or click the link in the description to claim your trial. This is episode number 142 with Gerard Adams of the Founder Podcast. What you need is thirst. You need to be a thirsty human. Who is intent on learning. It's a really fascinating fascinating exploration of human potential. Now. 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 The Founder Podcast. Even the greatest entrepreneurs had help. If you want to learn from the most successful founders on the planet, you are in the right place. Branson, Mark Cuban, Tony Robbins, Tim Ferriss, Ariana Huffington, Seth Godin, Steve Case, Gary V, Sophia Amoroso, Barbara Corcoran, Damon John. Learn from the greatest minds in business today with interviews hosted by Nathan Chan. This is not your average entrepreneur podcast. The Founder Podcast. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Before we start today's episode, I just want to let you know that our goal at Founder is to help entrepreneurs succeed however we can by giving away high quality content in the form of interviews, blog posts, podcasts, YouTube videos, you name it. We put out so much content to help you. And another interesting project that we're working on right now is partnering with world-class founders like Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills like negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free trainings with founders like this, which is 100% free, just go to founder.com forward slash free. Okay, so now let's talk about today's episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Founder Podcast. My name is Nathan Chan and I am your host of this show and I'm also the CEO and publisher of Founder Magazine. All right, so what's been happening in my world? Uh, really, uh, really aggressive on growth at the moment. We've got a lot of products going out. We're scaling up content, paid and unpaid. We're posting at least five to six articles on the blog per week now, which is really, really exciting. And this is like really, really high quality content. Now, one thing that I've learned that I just wanted to share with you guys along the journey of you know, this is my first business. I'm learning it all along the way. And, um, you know, one thing I learned is I really stepped outside recently and, and thought about, you know, what is it that we exactly do at Founder? You know, we've got a magazine, we've got a podcast, we've got all these courses, we've got a book, um, we've got all this content, we've got these social media channels. And I really thought, you know, at the end of the day, our core business is content, whether it's free or free or premium. So in order to grow the business, to be able to make an impact, which is our goal now, this is what my dream and vision is, is to build a household name, entrepreneurial brand that impacts the lives of tens of millions of people with our content on a monthly basis. In order to fulfill that mission, we need to scale up content. You know, it's only going to go so far. And I think, you know, a lot of people say it's all about, you know, quality content. I agree, but it's all about quality content at scale. Every single successful media startup founder that I've spoken to on this podcast, you all know, like if you listen to these episodes with like the founder of The Next Web or the founder of Greatest 
or even Gerard that's coming into this episode, they publish like, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40, 100 articles a day, which is insane. But, you know, this is how it's got to be if we're going to build a brand that's a household name. We have to produce content at scale. Free and premium. That's where it found we're a little different. We are an education startup as well. And that's like the main back end of the platform. So, you know, we have to scale up courses as well, which is really, really exciting. So that's what we're working on. And I just wanted to share that little golden nugget that I've learned on my journey that's really affecting the way that we work and you can see I take so much from these interviews Uh, a lot of them I am selfishly asking questions that I want to know and I hope that you're enjoying this podcast if you are please do leave us a five-star review it would help more than you can imagine and I also want to remind you guys speaking of courses we are launching our first course which is going to be one of eventually hundreds I hope and and that's what we're working towards our first course where we're getting an instructor to teach someone outside of the founder uh, team and pretty much we've found out that you guys a lot of you guys haven't started a business yet so we're working on how to start an online store course you know if you want to start an e-commerce business sell physical products we've teamed up with someone who's an absolute superstar she actually has been on this podcast and uh, actually lives in Melbourne. So if you go to foundermag, F-O-U-N-D-R-M-A-G.com forward slash e-commerce, you can find out more, and uh, we'll be launching a beta test group of that course early May. All right, so now let's talk about today's guests. I'll stop rambling, but pretty much, guys, Gerard Adams, he started a company called EliteDaily.com, and he sold it to Daily Mail for over $50 million. Massive media startup, very, very smart guy. I was lucky to catch up with him in Sydney about six months ago. Learned a lot from him. This is a great conversation. We talk about leadership. We talk about teamwork. We talk about investors. We talk about raising capital. We talk about bootstrapping. We talk about growth. We talk about content. We talk about social. Very, very cool. Really great. This was a really, 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 really valuable episode. I know you're going to get a lot of gold from this one. One of my uh, favorites of... Um, the past few that I've done of late. All right, that's it from me. Now let's jump into the show. So the first question I ask everyone that comes on is, how did you get your job? My job? Well, I don't really look at it as a job. I um, I look at it as just living life, man, and doing what I love every day. I think, you know, that saying that uh, when you find what you love doing, you never work a day in your life. Um, and, uh, I guess that's half true. Cause I definitely feel like I work harder than I would if I, than uh, just, than, than just working as for someone else's dream. Um, you work twice as hard on your own, but, um, I gotta admit, uh, it doesn't feel like a job, you know? And, um, I guess it, it took me to about, about 18 years old, my first semester in college to realize that I wasn't built to, to go and get a degree, to go and get a job. And that's when I made the decision, I'm going to drop out my first semester and just, and, and really put the pressure on myself to learn how to build businesses on my own. So what was that first businesses business that you did? Cause you're, you're co-founder of elite daily, but you've been doing this for a while now. So can you talk us through your background, which I'm really, really curious around? Well, it started uh, right around that time, 18. I, 
dropped out of university and um, I wanted to learn about the stock market. I, I was very interested in how these companies became successful and what Wall Street was all about. So I created an online community where people can come and talk about the companies that they were investing in, they were trading, they were interested in. And what I what I realized was, um, one, I wanted to create a community so that I can learn from other people that were gurus at picking stocks and investing so that I can, I can uh, you know, basically get some kind of mentorship through the, through the community. And then, uh, and two, I just saw an opportunity in the marketplace where it was looking, it was something that I was looking for, where there were other forums back then and online communities, but none of which you can click on a member's name and had a rating system. So I decided, hey, well, why can't I just take a rating system similar to eBay or Amazon and implement that into an online community for people who are interested in stocks? And therefore, if you click on Nathan Chan's name, it would show you know, that he invested into Apple at you know, $50 per share, here's why. And, and you kind of gave some sense of credibility. So if you had four or five gold stars, it meant that you were ranked over 100 times and you can actually see that he was a um, that he knew what he was doing. So that kind of rating system is what worked, and um, I ended up getting about ten thousand active members talking back and forth on the site, and that was a lot back then. And um, I guess it still is in a way. Um, you get two, ten thousand people talking; it, it's it's powerful. And that kind of that was my first business. You know, I, I did it because I wanted to learn from other people that were interested in the same thing, and that kind of organically led me to uh, some a company reaching out to me saying, hey, how can we advertise on your website? And I was like, oh, wow, I can actually make money doing this. Uh, and that's when uh, I started going all in on you know, how, how I can take what I've learned from creating this platform and build a, and build a real business around it. And uh, that was the very first online business, I guess if you would call it real, the real business. Back in, you know, back in elementary school, I was flipping lollipops and then in middle school t-shirts and in high school, you know, everything from, uh, fake IDs to car parts, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, uh, yeah, my real first real business was this online community called stock spot. So what happened next, man? You start advertising, start building it up. Yeah. So building it up and then basically the first company that reached out to me to advertise said to me, Hey, I don't think you understand the value of what you've created. So why don't we, uh, why don't you come here, meet with us, and we want to teach you. Uh, we want to offer you a position. And and they were kind of back then. Advertising was done in a, for for small cap companies was done in a very traditional means, press releases, road shows, you know, ma old you know mag magazines and things. And they were very interested in how to leverage the internet to tell their story and to get exposure for their company. Um, this was back in like two thousand four, two thousand five. And they uh, looked at me as a young guy that understood the internet. So they brought me on board. I helped them redo their website, did video marketing, PPC advertising, got them written up on my forum, got them written up in other for its other bloggers. And they taught me what was what was called investor relations and public relations um, to understand the uh, kind of the investor side of things and the you know and what PR really was. And uh, that led me to my first real failure that kind of uh, opened up my eyes. I have built that company out to the largest shareholder base at any small cap company, 18,000 shareholders. I was getting their content viral everywhere. 
Um, I was excited because my platform was being built and the, the CEO was like, hey, I'll allow you to build your, you know, your website while working for me as long as you get your job done, you know, get your work done. But then it le led me to um, doing the first ever live demonstration of their product, which is the nano battery. And that day I uh, got 200 people in the room from, you know, stockbrokers, investment bankers, VCs, the media. And that uh, was the first day I did public speaking. I looked like a baby, was nervous. CEO pushed me out there. I, I said a speech and introduced the management team. They came up and they were basically about to prove the concept of the nano battery, showing that no energy was being used. And until they turned the device on, then it would shoot energy, creating this infinite shelf life battery that had power on demand. And they did the demonstration. They hit the button. I'm on my I'm on pins and needles like this is it. This is my big break. They're about to raise millions of dollars to take this into mass production. All the marketing I've done over the past year, this is it. It's my chance. And crickets, man, it doesn't work. And wow. my career, yeah, it was uh that was like a you know, I was devastated. I mean, people were out crazy yelling, what the hell is this? Bull, you know, you know, the stock starts freaking tumbling. And you know, I thought my career was over. But a couple of guys came up to me and said, hey, kid, I'm surprised you got me in the room. Call me. And then that's kind of when I decided, you know what? I actually can learn something from this. And I have a um, ability to do for a marketing and tell a story. So I decided to open up my own agency to do that for other companies. And um, I went all in. I, I didn't sleep. You know, my friends were partying at college and I was up till four in the morning, you know, printing out you know, every company that would, I can get to maybe give me a chance to hire me. And, and then, um, you know, I would fax them, email them, call them, send them a direct, you know, mail all, all to give me a chance. And I got my first client for $750 a month and then turned that into hundreds of thousands of dollars in, in retainers that in about 10 million in revenue by the time I was 24. Um, and, and it was the best, it was amazing. I was flying around the country, meeting all these innovative companies and, and learn, helping them tell their stories. And um, I was a writer and, and I enjoyed it. But eventually I got tired of building everybody else's company. And I said, how can I take what I've learned and start implementing that into my own companies and start owning you know, my own companies? I was making everybody else millions of dollars. I was like, I gotta start leveraging this for myself. Um, and you know, the money was great, you know, you know, but I was like, I want to do something bigger. This is not how I want to build a legacy and maybe known for this. And something drastic happened to me. I started taking what I learned within the market and I started investing it heavily into the market. And I was up $20 million by the time I was 25. And the market recession like hit the United States, if you remember around, yeah. you know, this was right around 2008 to 2010. And I lost everything. And this is when I had a really big, like, you know, ego check where I was like, I, I, you know, I thought I was this, this young guy in my twenties that had everything, you know, had it all. I finally got my first Bentley penthouse. I was flying all over the place. I thought I was invincible to now, boom, it all disappearing. And it was like, what do I do next? And that's when I started to, you know, my mother told me a story, how my parents, I see my grandparents and my, you know, immigrated from uh, to United States from Italy and my mother's side from Venezuela, although she was born in Colombia. And she told me that when they were here, they lived in a studio apartment, you know, with a family of five. And one day that apartment caught on fire and my family lost everything. And my mom had to, at like young teenager, uh, 14, 15 years old, had to drop out of school, which was very hard. The teacher didn't want to give her, sign the permission slip, but she had to cry and beg saying, if I don't go and get a job, my, grand my parents aren't going to be able to put food on the table. 
And my mother told me how she finally convinced the teacher. And the teacher said, if you take night classes, I'll allow you to go and drop out. But she couldn't get a job in New Jersey where we grew up because she was only, you know, 14, 15 years old. So she ended up going into New York City to a place called Canal Street. This is kind of where they sell all the fake handbags and watches and stuff. And she had in the middle of the winter watch so that nobody stole the fake handbags just to make a little bit of money to help put food on the table with my grandparents. And um, she told me if I was able to do that and bounce back and put this roof over you and your sister's heads, you best believe you better get to get back out there and do it again. So um, that was the only motivation that I needed. Um, so I started looking at, okay, how can I use my expertise to do something I felt was needed in the millennial generation? See, at that time, around 2000 and now going 2010, um, everybody was paying attention to the Kim Kardashian, still films to today, the Kardashian show, Jersey Shore was a big show, very much reality TV. That was what was really big. But nobody was paying attention to the true economics of what's going on with the United States. And we were in this major, major national debt crisis. All my friends are graduating from college at that time, and they can't get a job. They got a worthless degree. And I'm going, what the hell is wrong with our country? No one is even paying attention to the economics. Like, they're just not paying attention to inflation. So I started um, – doing documentaries on the economy. And I started doing documentaries on gold and silver commodities and building a newsletter base on, uh, I still to this day have the websites inflation.us talking about the economy. And I did a documentary on the student loan debt crisis. It was one of the first to expose that, got on news, Bloomberg, Fox Business. And my passion for content grew. And I started to leverage that, not only to do documentaries and build my own newsletter, but leverage it to help other entrepreneurs with digital marketing for their companies while partnering with them. And one day I had a, a young guy, he's 18 years old, named David, he was interning for me. And he said, I wanna do this website called Elite Wall Street. And I was like, you're crazy, Wall Street is tainted. If there's anything that you wanna do, let's do something bigger. Let's look at all the publications out there that are handed down to us right now. We got all these huge publications, they're all run by old people you know, baby boomers, and there's nothing that's run by millennials for millennials that hits every vertical from business to health to lifestyle, you know, to dating, you know, to you name it. And I was like, we're going to create that. And we kind of called it like the Huffington Post of Generation Y. And our slogan was the voice of Generation Y. And we created the name the Elite Daily. We bought it in the GoDaddy for $9.99. It was in my apartment. It was just an idea. We weren't journalists. And we just started freaking hustling, man. We just started interviewing each other, building out WordPress site, you know, freaking hitting up every friend we had to share our post on Facebook, you know, real like guerrilla style grassroots marketing to get it going. But we were, we loved every second of it and we were all in, you know, we were completely committed. And little by little, we were able to figure out how to get content a little more viral, figure out what was working, what wasn't, build our team little by little all the way up until about we had 200 employees over three and a half years, got it to 80 million unique visitors per month, 80 to 100 articles per day, did a raise, finally got to a point where we weren't bootstrapped. We got, a, we got some of the lead investors like Graycroft, some of the biggest venture capitalists to get behind us which was a blessing and a curse at the same time. And um, we strategically saw John Steinberg leave BuzzFeed to go to the Daily Mail. So I tracked him down at a, at a speaking event and I said, hey, you gotta check out this, our company and got him to check it out, got him as an advisor. And little did we know that, you know, it was planned that we wanted to get an acquisition. We just didn't think it would happen so quickly. And he made an offer within six months 
And that was, you know, one of the toughest decisions of our life. We, we, we didn't, I didn't want to sell. I was the blocking vote, long board meetings, but um, we started seeing how Facebook was changing algorithms and there was a risk that our traffic could have gotten hit. And we wanted to give security to the 200 people that believed in us that day in and day out. So um, we ended up going through with the deal, man. We cried, we laughed, we cheered. Um, and that day was the beginning of, I think when I finally took a step back, and even though people asked me to come talk about Elite Daily, I realized, wow, that was 14 years of like a roller coaster of a ride. And I think there needs to be more role models out there that actually truly talk about real life experience of being an entrepreneur rather than just the people out there that are just trying to sell people on the dream and act like entrepreneurs is the cool thing to do. You know, that's when I decided to really finally take all the tactics I've learned over my career um, to build businesses and start implementing that into my personal brand to be a better leader for the generation. Um, and then that's when Founders was born. Yeah, wow. Man, that's an awesome, intense story, dude. Yeah, I can't believe it. You know, it's uh, it's 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 crazy. You know, um, I look back and it, I feel like it all has happened so quickly. But at the same time, when you're in the grind and you're in the moment, day in and day out, you 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 know you can't you don't know, right? You have that uncertainty. What's going to happen the next day? And some days you don't want to get out of bed. Some days you're upset. Some days you have problems, and you're like, how am I going to overcome it? And, it, you know, that's part of being an entrepreneur. But one day you will get there and you'll look back and say, holy shit, every step of the way, everything was worth it. It was entirely worth it. And hopefully, like my YouTube series, Leaders Create Leaders, that you'll pass it on. You'll you'll learn how to, you know, use it as a tool to mentor others. Um, and, uh, you know, I feel like entre entrepreneurs, being an entrepreneur is like a fellowship. We all kind of can. We really all have different stories. We all have different paths. We all have different obstacles. But it's about sharing those experiences, sharing those stories, coming together, you know. Um, and, and to me, you know, that's one of the greatest parts of being an entrepreneur is overcoming all of that and then looking back one day and saying, hey, let's do it all over again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know I know exactly your exact feeling, man. It's exciting. And dude, I've taken a ton of notes from all the, I'll hear that story. So I've got a, a ton of questions for you. Cool. First one, um, you said, you said when you raised capital, uh, for Elite Daily that, uh, it was a blessing and a curse at the same time. What did you mean by that? And what is, what are your thoughts on raising, raising capital for your, for your company? Great question. I think a lot of entrepreneurs today, first and foremost, they think when you have an idea, your early stage, you 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 think like, okay, cool, like let's go, let's go raise money, let's go, let's let's go raise a you know a million dollars or or two million dollars at a ten million, twenty million dollar valuation because you know this is a billion dollar industry and you know we can make these projections and first and foremost, I would tell you to stop, you know, don't build a company because it based upon raising capital, you know. Build a company because you're passionate about it and prove yourself and how you can get traction being resourceful and getting a team to believe in the purpose of, of the purpose of the company, the why and what you, why you're doing it more than just like trying to be, call yourself an entrepreneur, you know, build it, be, be a tech entrepreneur and go raise a lot of money. 
and then spend a lot of money. I think it's important that you learn how to bootstrap, that you every dollar matters. And, and I think that that makes you a better founder and a better entrepreneur. Um, reason why I said it was a blessing in this in the curse is, you know, there does come to a point where when you do get traction, like Elite Daily did, you need growth capital. If you want to scale, you need some growth capital because you want to build your team faster. You want to add more talent to the team. You want to maybe you want to have a little bit more of a marketing budget. Maybe you want to, you know, there's certain things you need to grow. Um, and it's just imperative that you you get the right investors on board that understand your vision as a founder and don't just look for money, look for the right people. And I know you've maybe heard this before, the people listening, you know, getting strategic investors, but I cannot stress it enough. Um, and I would try to tell you to, you know, steer steer away from venture capital. Look, at the end of the day, I'm blessed. And shout out to all the VCs that that are out there. Um, you guys bring a ton of value. And if it wasn't for the for our investors that got behind Elite Daily, we wouldn't have maybe had the, the success we did. But at the end of the day, VC looks at you as like kind of like a number, man. Like they care about one thing, one thing only, and that's that that percentage, that ROI at the end of the year. You know, I I feel if you can raise money from some more some some strategic angels. Uh, and get people that really understand your vision and will be there for you every step of the way that will really bring contacts to you, that will really pick up the phone. You know, I had an investor, Ryan Blair, who became a dear friend of mine now. He has an amazing book called Nothing to Lose, Everything to Gain and Rock Bottom to Rock Star. He, he became one of my investors. He was an angel when he came in. He, you know, I mean, I, throughout the whole acquisition process, he would be in like Holland you know, uh, and it didn't matter what time it was, he'd pick up, if I called him, he'd pick up the phone and guide me, give me advice, work me through the deal. You need, just need really good advisors and you need really good strategic investors because VCs, I got a threatening letter when it came down to the exit. I won't say who, but one of the biggest VCs sent me a letter threatening me that if I didn't sell the company, that they were going to try to basically try to oust me out, you know, and VCs can be, you know, they can't, they talk. So one thing I noticed too is that when you go to do another round, the two VCs will call each other, talk, and they'll work together to try to get a better better valuation for themselves. And they, and sometimes they'll even wait until you're you're running out of money, and they know it because they got your financials, so they know you're running out, and you 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 got a burn, and like they're gonna wait until you're ready to bleed so that they can get a better deal from you. So you know you got to be careful. Um, and really pick your investors smart. Yeah, that's interesting. So if you could do it all over again with Elite Daily, you would have you raised venture funding or or, or you still would have? Um, it sounds like you, um, with, in this particular instance, you didn't have a chance to control your own destiny. Is that always the case when you raise venture funding, you think? I, I think VCs puts hurdles. They, 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 it gets harder to, to focus on the business. Um, you know, they, there's a lot of meetings. They, you know, they want to have board control. You got to be very careful how you set up your board. You just got to be careful. But there's also a lot of benefit, a lot of, you know, a lot of good that comes with some with certain venture capital funds. And they give you a sense of a level of credibility. If I were to go back and do it again, I would do it the same way. Because one of the things, reasons why we went and got, you know, venture capital was it solidified us in the marketplace. You know, we were going up against BuzzFeed, you know, guys were raising over a hundred million dollars, you know, we were going up against major publications. And when you're, so getting a level of, 
you know, of a, of a big C behind you does give you a layer of credibility, unfortunately, right? You start getting written up in TechCrunch. You start getting, you know, uh, you know, more phone calls from other VCs. And it, it definitely helps give you this layer of credibility. So I wouldn't change, you know, I, I wouldn't really change anything there. Um, there. There was a partner early on that came on board that we gave a little bit too much equity in the beginning, thinking that they would bring more than they actually did. And I would say, make people earn it too. Like make people vest and earn your equity. It could be, people can sell you the dream on how much they, you know, they're going to do. At the end of the day, protect yourself and make people earn it. Don't just give equity away. Mm. I'm curious. You said you, you, you didn't want to sell. Why? Well, you know, we were being valued on revenue and revenue is important, but I believe that there's a, there's a, there's this intangible value you can get on brand, on a brand and brand equity is legit, you know? And, you know, when I would fly to freaking, I remember I landed in Milan because I had a, one of my other companies was doing something there and. Um, you know, people, they knew Elite Daily. I wear an Elite Daily shirt and people would come up to me like, holy shit, man, I read your, I read this every day, you know? And it's like, there was a, there was a loyalty and there was a value to the brand that people resonated with it. It was something that they read on a daily basis. It was part of their routine. It was, it was a trusted source that they loved going to, whether it was for like, just to laugh, you know, to get some authentic news, you know, or, or to, you know, stay in tune with what was really happening, you know, you know, with, with business. Um, it was part of people's daily routine and the company was valuing us just off revenue. And a lot of times when you're building your company, the first two years, three years, you're focused on your product. You know, Nathan, I'm sure you're going through that, right? Like you're really focused on your customer. If you want to build something great, you can't focus. I always say money never leads. It follows. You need to focus on a great product. Put your, you know, make sure that you're building something, you're putting it out into the world and it has to be something that you really, you know, you're putting them first before yourself. And there's a lot of people that will just focus on the revenue, 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 you need to monetize quickly, quickly, quickly. You know, revenue is extremely important, but your product is everything and your customer and the people that are, you know, that are, in, that are going to be using it. So we focused on that for, for a long period of time and built this brand equity. As you can see, the traffic was 80 million unique visitors. So when you have a billion dollar company come to you and say, all right, well, let's see, we look at your revenue, you know, 10 million. Okay. You know, we're going to offer you $50 million, you know, five times revenue. You're like, man, that's bullshit. There's such a value in the elite daily name. There's such a value in our, in, in our users and the people that, rep, you know, so for me, that's the reason why. I didn't want to sell. I thought we weren't really, I thought if we held, if they wanted revenue, shit, we were about, we were just scratching the surface, right? We just really started doing, getting bigger deals and more native advertising. And, you know, we were solidifying our brand so that, you know, big companies were, were started to pay us. So I was like, Hey, if we just go one more year at the very least, we'll get double, triple. So that was the reason why, but the, the, the real factor why we didn't push through with it was because Facebook was truly changing their algorithms and making it much harder for you to generate traffic from people sharing it on Facebook back to your website. And, you know, we, we didn't want to risk that, you know, so that was, that was probably the biggest thing. And we felt like, you know what, we, we finally did it, you know, like this was like bigger than us. We knew that this was going to give security to all, 
200 people that believed in us and it was going to live on no matter what. So, you know, we, um, we did it. And, you know, to be honest with you, that was, like I said, one of the hardest decisions us as founders looked each other in the eye and it was like, no man, like this is the right decision to make right now. Um, we started this together. We're going to finish it together and we're going to do this. And, you know, it was scary. I was depressed for, you know, a little while after the exit, like not knowing like if it was the right decision, but looking back now, our traffic did fall in half and Facebook did make those changes and it got way harder to, to continue on the growth trajectory that we were, that we had in those three and a half years. So, um, so the timing was right, you know, and, and honestly, whether or not I could have got more money or whatever, the fact of the matter is the experience alone gave me such a wealth of knowledge that, it, and it led me to now, I think, you know, something that's way bigger with founders and, you know, with, you know, with more of a legacy play, I think it was, a you know, a, a step to what's next. So I'm grateful for it and feel blessed. You said to me that uh, one thing that you did at Elite Daily that you were really, really good at was building culture within 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 the company. Um, I'd love for you to share some insights there. Um, I think, yeah, we'd be doing a disservice to our audience if we didn't ask you because um, it sounded, yeah, you know it's up there, man, and that's so important, bro. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, your team and your culture is is literally – everything um i owe every time i give a speech i say and you know i continue to this day say you know i owe it all to the team um you need to build that kind of like you know I, it's crazy because we live in such a world where you could be this digital nomad and you, you know you don't need an office but like i look back at like if we didn't have people working together under one roof and like vibing off of each other's energy i don't think we would have been a good creative a company i really don't you know, I think you need to create an environment where people can thrive, you know, and one thing that we did was everybody who joined the company, we didn't base it, base it on, you know, uh, a college degree. We met them and we would talk to them about what are your personal goals? Where do you want to be in life? You know, and we made them feel like really a part of our family, like Elite Daily has like a family and we want to help them achieve their goals. And we understood like, hey, you know, Elite Daily could be a platform for you, but in three years, four years, five years, we understand you may want to go on and, and, and do other things. We want you to be able to have that freedom, but this is a right now, right now, if you give it your all, that you will be in a better position to use this for your, for your future and be a part of an amazing you know, team uh, and building something that's bigger than any one of us. And one of the other things is like we never had separate offices. It was never like, hey, CEO, president, COO, we're all in these separate, you know, little, you know, glass door, glass window offices. Like everybody worked together in a very collaborative open space. And um, we, every Friday, we, we, first of all, we celebrated everyone's birthdays. You know, every, every time someone's birthday, we celebrated it and they had to give a speech in front of everybody. You know, little things like that. You know, you don't think about it, but like little things like that creates, you know, um, creates like a bonding experience with everyone where they feel tied together. You know, we also did, events together. We took everybody to the Hamptons and threw a Hamptons part house party. Everyone got to stay the weekend. We, you know, every Friday we had pizza parties and we had invited, they were able to invite their friends and we invited in a speaker to come in and speak to the group and the team. We, we did things where they also can learn. So we would have our CTO for just, just 
to help the the you know build culture you know once a week teach a coding class hey you, you're not going to be coding freely daily but maybe you're one of our writers but hey maybe you want to learn a little bit you want to learn the basics of how to code we offered that so that you can learn and then it was like the typical stuff right like if people wanted to smoke a joint in the back, we allowed that as long as it didn't affect your work. <laughs> if you wanted to go play video games, you went and played video games for a break. You know, you you know, you were expected to go all in and work and not have just a nine to five mentality. You had you felt like you're a part of the company and we expected you to work like it, but we gave you the freedom to also kind of have be flexible and be creative and have fun, you know, and it's about that. You have to have fun, you know. That's the only way you get people to truly work for something you know, that's, that's, that's not big, you know what I mean? That's bigger than just like their role. So those are just a couple of different things. And it's, and, and honestly, it really also comes back by leading by example, you know, um, the co-founders, if you're a founder, you need to be completely all in committed leading by example. So people thrive off of that energy. You need to do that. You can't think cause you're the founder, the big hotshot. You don't need to be leading by example. You need to be leading by example and you empowered all the rest of them to also be leaders. Um, and then I think uh, uh, this is a very key thing to culture. You have to be willing to fire, cut out cancer. There will, especially when you be starting to become the hot, your hot company and, it, and people's people from all over will want to work for you. People will call on you coming in for people work for you. Their friends will be wanting to get in the doors. You need to know specifically what the values are of your core company. Put it on the wall. And like, if anybody wavers away from those values, they, they're gone. You got to fire them. You got to cut that cancer out because one bad person in your company that doesn't have the right same work ethic, that doesn't have the same integrity, that's, you know, that's lazy or that, you know, anything, you know, it doesn't meet those values that that can have a ripple effect. Mm. So can you give us an instance where you, just an example, an instance where you saw that happening and you had to unfortunately let them go? I mean, it goes on constantly. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's a constant thing. I mean, even to this day, you know, I can't give out any specific names. Um, but, you know, there's been times where we had people that they they took advantage, right? You give people, a, you know, you you let them you know, uh, what's the saying? It's like, you let them skate a little bit. Next thing you know, they're figure skating, but it's, you know, or you give them a string, they take a rope, you know, some people that we know, like if they came in and they, we noticed we give them a little bit of that freedom and they start taking advantage too much. Right. They're now smoking a blunt, you know, now they're freaking <laughs> being lazy. They're, um, you know, there's been instances where we, we've definitely, and just the quality of the work, you know, if we, if someone's just not up to the quality standards, there's been instances where we just like, Hey, you're just not, you're not performing at, at the highest level. And, you know, and we apologize, but it's, it's not going to work out. Um, and maybe this isn't for you. And, you know, it's happened many times. Mm, interesting. Um, I'm curious and, and, um, I'm sure a lot of people, I would be curious about this as well. How do you get people to go all in? Like you talked about the vision, you talked about getting that buy-in, but um, you know, I, I I'm asking also from experience. I think, like, how do you get people to care, or will they ever care as much as you do as a founder to go all in? Is that possible? Yes, yes, and I know people think the opposite. Uh, I've heard many interviews where people say no one will ever care as much as you because it's your baby. 
Um, there's some truth. There's some truth to that, right? It has to start. What I think is, it has to start with you, and it has to stay with you. You have to be the one that cares the most. There's no doubt about it. You have to be the one that you know drives it every single day. I mean, you know, you're the founder, but you know, there's like my team right now. I'm doing it again. I mean, they're ride or die. I mean, something happens to me, they're you know. They're 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 still going. They're sacrificing. They're building. They're, they're leading by example. I think I think it just comes to good leadership. You know, you need to have people, you know, that feel empowered. You know, and 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 are in pro, you know obviously properly incentivized to care as much as you. And I, for me, I, I try to always make everybody feel like they're important. Nobody's unimportant. You know, I always say it. it's like, I don't care if you're that we were friends with our janitor. He was, you know, you know, Marley, the dreads, like this guy was like the coolest guy ever. We, you know, we made him feel part of the family. It's like it was making everybody feel that their role, every single person's role is important. And it's to the bigger picture. And you celebrate people's mistakes. You celebrate the small wins, you know, you know, and that all that stuff is is really important. I think it just comes down to people understanding the vision, right? Like that it's, it's, this is not about, I guess, particularly I can go into founders a little bit, but it's, it's, it's less about the fact of like, Hey, we want to have the best startups that come out of founders as an accelerator. No, we want, you know, we want to make impact. We want to be a human accelerator. We want people that join founders to feel that they're becoming better human beings, not just in business, but in real life. It's part of them, you know, that, and that we want to funnel that into the community you want, you know, so it's like people that join founders and that are working with me on my team, they feel like they're working on something that is bigger than any one of us. And they understand that vision. And we ingrained, we were like, hey, this is something that we want to one day, it's going to pass on. And, you know, we want it to impact a billion lives, being communities nationwide throughout the United States, you know, in inner cities. And when people understand that vision clearly, you know, and everyone know their role and how important it is. You know, I, I can honestly say that, you know, you start to see that they're, they are ride or die. They do care just as much and you, you'll notice it. Like I've, I've literally, you know, I can't even explain to you how blessed I feel because I, it doesn't come easily, but when you'll get, once you get over the hump for me, it took me about a little over a year. Now I have the culture. Now I know they're ride or die. Even though we had a snow day today, you know, it, it was a huge snowstorm today. Nobody can get to the office. The first time I worked from home in a, in a little while, everybody's jumping on the calls. Everybody's motivating each other through Slack. Everybody's still pushing forward no matter what. No one's looking at it as like this opportunity to just like slack off. Every, everyone is, is involved, you know, putting in a, a 110% effort. Uh, and that to me is like when you know you have something that's just great and not just a, just a cool startup. Mm, yeah, really interesting. Um, so talk to us about founders and what you're doing in uh, Newark. So you, you're not, uh, are you still doing anything with Elite Daily anymore since you've sold the company? Um, no, no, not at all. Um, you know, just telling the story, uh, but not working with the company. I, when we did the buyout, I said, you know, I wanted to be 100% cashed out, not tied to it with new, new, uh, a new corporation, because I didn't know what that, you know, how that would work out. Um, and right now I'm just focused on, you know, focused on founders and focused on my social currency, which is a term I've, I've, uh, I've trademarked 
and coined, which is like the power of the per personal branding, which I can't believe how powerful it's been for me. Um, I've always focused just specifically on my businesses, and, and now I've taken all my marketing expertise and poured it into me as, a, as an influencer, as a personal brand, from, and I've been able to leverage that completely, and it's allowed me to attract the team almost, you know, like through Founders in Newark. And just for those that don't know, Founders is a social impact accelerator for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. And it, by accelerator, you may have heard of incubators or accelerators. You know, Google has one. You know, you got Y Combinator, Techstars. There's very big accelerators out there. And they're very much tech-based and they're very much backed by venture capitalists. I wanted to create something that was more for entrepreneurs and by entrepreneurs and also do it in not these big major cities. What I've noticed is that when I was getting asked to speak all over the country for, for tech, you know, in Silicon Valley, New York City, you know, these bigger cities, they had these ecosystems to support startups. But you're not seeing those startup ecosystems in inner cities and, in, uh, you know, the communities around these big cities. So I really decided that um, we would build this, provide a live, work, play business model, similar to how we work is now shifted to we live. But it's nuts about co-working and it's more about creating a culture where, the, where all entrepreneurs are working together and it's not in individual cubicles. It's, it's in this open collaborative space where we bring in mentors from all over the world, some of the best to breed mentors, speakers on a, you know all over the world that are the best speakers. We run a, a curriculum called Seed to Scale. That's a 12-week curriculum and it's heavily focused on mindset, emotional intelligence, leadership skills, then it goes into business development, marketing, sales, and it's kind of what I, a curriculum that I wish I had um, when I first started. And we've just created this live, work, play environment where the entrepreneurs can live upstairs. They can have the, you know, the, the incubator downstairs. They have the accelerator program that they can get into. You know, there's mentorships that are brought to them. You know, um, and uh, and there's the aspect where we work with the community. So we're now teaching entrepreneurship to the middle school in Newark. Um, we're running an internship program with the high school students. We give grants to you know uh, minority entrepreneurs that otherwise wouldn't have the resources to get their idea off the ground. So it's it's also about giving back as well. So you know that's that's kind of uh, you know uh, uh, I guess the high level um, vision of founders. And our goal is to franchise the founders brand, like kind of like WeWork did. It, you know, to these inner cities nationwide. Awesome. Um, well, dude, we have to look work towards uh, wrapping up. A few final questions uh, yeah, before true. we before we wrap. I'm curious uh, when it comes to you know uh, going back to Elite Daily, the scale. You said you said you were talking. You you said you guys were publishing eighty to a hundred articles a day. Man, that's that's crazy. Like were they all internal guest contrib or they were mainly guest contributors? How are you guys managing that? That's that's crazy. Do you still think that it's a like that kind of scale is is required? Nathan, if you want to bring me on as an advisor, you just gotta ask. Just saying. <laughs> uh, well, you know, it 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 is definitely about um, in order to scale to that. You got to get the contributors. You got to get guest contributors. Um, for us, you know, 
the business model has very much been tied to universities. The same thing with founders um, going near, we are, we're opening them up all geared tied into universities. Um, it's the same kind of model. We, we created a culture at universities around the country and world that ended up going global um, where we allowed people to want to write. They, we wanted people to write for us. We embraced that and, you know, um, we were able to get to 2,000 contributors, and that's how we were able to maintain. We had to build a process to, you know, to for editorial and um, to review and and, and actually publish. Um, so we had a whole, you know, editorial process to manage those contributors to make sure that it was up to our standards, but um, which took time. But it was to, the goal was to to create a uh, culture for students that were at these universities to now have an outlet to tell their stories and what was on their mind and how they saw the world. And it, it, took, it took 2,000 contributors for us to manage 100 articles per day. Wow. And when it comes to leadership, what kind of leader are you? What kind of leader am I? I think that um, I'm, I'm a relentless leader. I am a leader that will always put others before myself. And therefore, trying to allow, you know, uh, the 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 greater vision of the of the people around me to rise up before myself. And I think that that's what really makes a great leader. I mean, you know, shit. After my exit, Nathan. I mean, the truth of the matter is, is that I was like so close to moving to Miami. For the main reason was because of taxes. You know, here in the states. You know, New Jersey, New York tax is very high. If I were to move to Miami, I would have saved oh, saved millions of dollars from state income tax, and I was ready to do it. And I decided, wow. you know what? If I were to do that, though, am I really putting myself in a position to to do something that's bigger than myself? What is, what does legacy really mean? You know, in Newark at that time, eighty percent of the kids in Newark didn't have Wi-Fi at home. It's got one of the highest crime rates and lowest income as far as for each citizen, you know, compared to all the states nationwide. Like it's, it's a bad place that needed help, needs jobs, needs these skills to be taught, needs, you know, ed better education, needs a real change. And I sacrificed going and saving all that money, you know, and I'm talking real money, like millions of dollars, real money. And I paid the taxes to stay and go back home to where I was from, where my grandparents immigrated and lived in North New Jersey to build this founders out. And I think if you're a leader, you got to sacrifice um, and realize, like, how are you going to truly, truly do something that's going to lead by example and allow people to rise up? You know, it's not about, you know, being on the top of the mountain. You know, it's it's about how you can bring people up with you. You know, and, and for me, I'm just the kind of the kind of leader that I want to show that um, what makes you great is not how much money you have, you know, not by what title you have, but by your actions on how you will make how you will help those around you, how you will act, truly, truly like impact people's lives. You know, so that's that's where I'm at right now. Yeah. Amazing, man. Um Last question, because I know you've got to wrap in a second, but um, best piece of advice and just parting words for our audience. Um, and uh, then, yeah, please share the next best place uh, people can find you. You know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting question you get, you know, at the end of, in, at, at the end of interviews. I think, 
I think what I would, I would, the best piece of advice I would give you all that I just did, and I consistently have done this over the past couple of years since my exit, and it's helped me out significantly, is I would tell you to, for a second, take some time to slow down, really, truly, truly look like internally. I, like whether you want to look in the mirror or you want to meditate or you want to pray, you know, you, whatever it is, look really, really internally and ask yourself, like, what do I truly want in life? Where am I going? What is this all truly for? What are people going to, how are people going to feel when they, when they, when they see me in 10 years, you know, what, like really dig down deep inside, you know, we all have that desire to want to like, you know, to, to be more and to have much bigger accomplishments. Trust me. I know I want to 10 X what I did with Elite Daily. I want to 10 X it, right? We talk about 10 Xing. I want to do that too. But I would ask you like really take a step back and dig deep as to why you're doing everything. What are your values? Like reanalyze yourself. It's okay to do that. Like almost look into yourself. Are you, are you really leading the path, you know, uh, of what you where where you want to be in ten years, you know, and like start making better choices. Like really, truly ask yourself, like when you're going and making your choices for your business, for personal life, is this the right choice that's leading me closer to where I want to be, you know, over the next ten years? Um, that's the piece of advice I would give you. Awesome, amazing, man. And uh, where's the best place people can find out more about yourself and your work? Cool. So um, I I'm actually. Um, right now launching something around social currency if you guys are interested in learning more about it kind of my strategies of with content marketing and how i've been able to leverage that for my business um with elite daily and, and you know now founders as well as from a personal branding perspective you guys can just go to gerardadams.com and um also just hit me up on instagram um it's just at gerard adams feel free to shoot me a dm you can email me gerard at founders and founders if you guys are anyone's interested in founders it's spelt with the word own in it so f-o-w-n-d-e-r-s so we want you to we, we kind of teach entrepreneurs you got to own it you know own everything about your life own your past own you know your mistakes own it like own business you know um so check check us out founders.com feel free to email me over and uh and i really really am impressed nathan with everything you're doing at founder if there's anything I can ever do for you to bring value to your community past just this podcast, let me know. Let's definitely do some more collaboration. I embrace your community. If anybody wants to hit me up and just, you know, kick, you know, kick back and have some questions, would love to do that. Um, and I appreciate everything, Nathan. And, and I'm really, just so your audience knows, really excited to get you on Leaders Create Leaders. If you guys haven't seen my series, I, I do like really high production on modern day leaders on my YouTube channel, Gerard Adams TV. And um, we're definitely looking forward to getting Nathan on there and telling your story. So appreciate it, brother. Oh, awesome, man. Yeah, look, thank you so much uh, for the kind words and everything you do. It's a uh, really inspiring dude. Awesome. We will wrap there. But um, man, thank you so much for your time. Absolutely. Hey, guys, I hope you enjoyed this interview. As you might already know, our mission at Founder is to help tens of millions of people every single week with our content either start or grow their business, which is exactly why we're partnering with world-class founders such as Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills such as negotiation, finance, e-commerce, 
and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free exclusive trainings, please go to founder.com forward slash free. These are 100%. We go super in depth on teaching a particular topic, and I know that you're going to love them if you enjoy this podcast. So just go to founder.com forward slash free. All right, guys, I'll see you in the next episode.